Thank you so much for joining us this Christmas weekend for our online church worship experience. I hope it's been a joyful weekend for you. You know, celebrating the birth of Christ should be a joyful experience. It should be a time of celebration. You know, if this is your first time watching us online through YouTube or Church Online or Facebook Live, I want to say welcome. My message today is the last of a three-week sermon series that we've called Light in the Darkness. Uh, and just so you don't feel like you've missed anything important that's led us to where we are today in the series, the previous two messages from Pastor Jim and Pastor Dave are on our church website, and uh, they're definitely worth listening to. Well, it's two days after Christmas, and that means people are either already taking down their Christmas lights, their Christmas trees, and their Christmas ornaments, reminders of another Christmas season come and gone, or they soon will be. You know, for some, the decorations can't stay up long enough. They're reminders of the hope and the joy and the peace that we sing about all through the season. But for others, the decorations can't come down soon enough. They're reminders of too much money spent, credit card overload, family tension, and this year, missed traditions and opportunities because of COVID. You know, for some people, Christmas doesn't get all that much recognition or appreciation. It's reduced to a once-a-year event, a holiday, if they're lucky, an occasion at best to be with someone just so they don't have to celebrate it alone. You know, maybe there's an exchange of gifts, hopefully thoughtful ones that are well-liked and will be well-used. You know, not gifts that are going to get shelved and forgotten about in a day or two. Uh, for many, though, Christmas is a time of reminders, great reminders of when light came into the world. You know, the other day, we were coming back from a walk, my wife and I and our son, and as we approached our crescent, I found myself glancing up at the Christmas lights that so many of our neighbors had put up through the holidays. I started thinking about the hours of work it takes to string them onto their eave troughs and roof lines and trees and front yards. You know, these bright lights that shine through the blackness of night as it starts to set in. You know, they're beautiful displays of color that pierce the darkness and lift the heaviness of the day that almost might have set in. Um, but under the luminescence of these lights, and especially when they're accompanied by soft falling snow, um, something peaceful, something hopeful, something joyful emerges. And somehow there's a reminder in it all of God's love. And if we stop long enough, we can feel the lure of God's presence in it. You know, Christmas is a reminder that Emmanuel has come, that God is with us. And though we pack away our light strands for another day and another year, I'm so thankful that Jesus, the light that came into the world, came to stay. Jesus didn't come as a one-night wonder. He didn't come just to make us feel good on those bad days. He came as a wonderful Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. You can't just pack up Jesus and put him away. 
You can't box him up and send him back if you don't like him. You can't exchange him for something different or something that's perhaps more politically or culturally or morally or ethically or even religiously relevant, or should I say accepted, fashionable, even wearable. We can't do it. Christianity appears too dated or too outdated for much of our world. But truth be told, it's timeless, literally timeless. Jesus was the gift humanity needed in that moment, at that time of history. Jesus was given in love. Jesus lived with love. Jesus sacrificially gave himself out of love. You know, we need to remind ourselves that light came into the world. Jesus came because the world needed him to come. Jesus is still the gift our world needs, and especially today. The Bible says, speaking of Jesus, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. That's John 1, 9 and 10. Now, how sad is that, that the world didn't recognize him? And I'm going to speak more about that in just a moment. You know, the Bible is certain, and it's clear when it says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be the savior and rescue. All who believe in Christ and accept him are given the right to become children of God. They are reborn not through a second physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God, a spiritual birth. This is the same message that Jesus shared with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Now, Nicodemus, who's a Jewish religious leader and Pharisee in search of meaning and truth. And Jesus said, Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. You know, like so many people today, Nicodemus was trying to make sense of it all, but was having difficulty understanding and processing and navigating and trusting and that's where the Holy Spirit steps in. He calls, he counsels, he comforts. And not only does the Holy Spirit awaken the heart, he illuminates truth in the process. He causes the word to come to life. And he reminds us when we forget. As Jesus continues to speak with Nicodemus, he says something quite interesting about himself. Listen to these words of Jesus in the conversation. Now remember, Jesus is helping Nicodemus to understand that he was sent not to judge, but to save the world. Now, a lot of people struggle with this truth. They feel God is a big, nasty, grumpy old judge, and as a result, fail to see the love in his eyes or feel the mercy of his heart. 
And Jesus tells Nicodemus that there's no judgment for those who believe in him. And judgment is reserved for those who have chosen not to believe. See, the judgment is based on this one fact. God's light came into the world. But people love the darkness more than the light. How can that be? See, in fact, they refuse to go near the light for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see what they are doing or what that they are, uh, are doing what God wants. So keep in mind that these are Jesus's own words. In the Amplified Bible, it explains that people shrink back from the light for fear that their activities will be exposed as sinful and worthless and that they would feel condemned. And again, remember, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. We need to remind ourselves of that truth. Jesus came to shed light on sin, not to condemn it, but to rescue you and I from it. Where the world seeks to avoid full exposure, as Christians, we should welcome it, we should seek it, and we should pray for it. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 1 and verse 3 that the Son... Speaking of Jesus, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The church is described in scripture in the New Testament as a radiant church without a spot or a stain, a wrinkle, or any other blemish. Now, I live with glasses, I have since grade two. I view the world through these glasses, corrective lenses to be exact. And I'm constantly having to clean my lenses to ensure that I can see clearly. Spots impede my view. Looking through spots is absolutely annoying. You know, we need to stop looking at our spots and our wrinkles and our blemishes and start seeing ourselves the way Christ sees us as believers, spotless, wrinkle-free, and without blemish. In other words, holy and blameless, not by our own efforts and merits, but because of and through Christ. So let's start living that way, living in that light. Satan, though, doesn't want people exposed to this truth. He does everything he can to blind the eyes of unbelievers from seeing it, from understanding it, from embracing it, even from living it. And unfortunately, many believers in Christ fall prey to these blinders as well, hindering their walk and hampering their witness. Think of them, if you will, as unbelieving believers. You know, the Bible tells us Satan, who is the God of this world or the God of this age, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. The devil would like nothing more than to keep the world in the dark, 
to create, if it were possible, a worldwide spiritual blackout. He works endlessly to keep people in the dark, even masquerading as light to entice them to see the world his way as opposed to God's way. Now, if that's true, then like Paul and the other apostles, why do we continue to preach that Jesus Christ is Lord? Why? Because God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. A second reason is that we now have this light shining in our hearts. It helps us see things differently, to live life effectively. Second Peter chapter 1, in verse 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. But it also helps us view God magnificently. It inspires praise and it informs our prayers. So what can we do? How can we we remind ourselves of these truths? I just read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But Paul goes on to explain, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. The light does shine, but sometimes it gets clouded out by things of this world, by everyday pressures and stresses, by life challenges, by difficult questions, by painful experiences. That's why we need reminders. We're fragile. If left to us, we gravitate to fear. Fear lurks in the darkness. Faith, though, laughs at darkness, not vicariously, but victoriously. Faith has an answer to the foothold of fear. It illuminates the dark lure of the enemy for what it is. The darkness doesn't win. Light rules the day. You know, wherever I go, I carry with me five items. I'm sure there's more, but the five items I have uh, make a point for this particular message. And I'm sure you carry these items too. We use them in some way each and every day. And on some days, all of them. Each one acts as a daily reminder for me at least, of how the light of Christ has impacted my world, my life. They are reminders of something eternal, a reminder of who I am, of who I will become, and what I have because of Christ, because Christ came, because light shone through the darkness, breathing life, bringing life, into my world. My five items are these. It's my ID. I have with me my uh, driver's license and my ID and a number of other pieces of ID. I have my keys right here. With me, I carry, most days, I carry my phone. I have my bank card that I carry almost all the time in my back pocket. Um, Just caution of that. Okay, and also um, I have with me my watch. So
So what do these five items represent for me? Let me tell you. My ID reminds me of my identity, of who I am in Christ, what I have because of him. It's about his work in me and through me. My ID prompts me to think about and reflect on the purpose and calling and gifting and anointing God has given me that I use every day to serve him and advance his kingdom. My ID makes me consider more fully the reason why I live and move and breathe and have my being and why God has made me, placed me where I am and what I am doing right now. It's about how God is continually shaping and reframing my character into his likeness. My ID reminds me that apart from a life in Christ, I am nothing and I ultimately have nothing. And like Jesus, my will is to do the will of my Father in heaven. You know, the picture on my ID card, when I look at it, it isn't um, the greatest picture of me. But the picture reminds me that God doesn't focus on outer appearance. He looks at the heart It's there most of all that I want the picture of my life to be a picture of Jesus to the world. It's there that I need the light of Christ to shine brightest so that I can live my fullest for his glory and for the good of others. I carry with me my keys. My keys remind me of the open door I have to approach the throne of God's grace any moment I have need of anything. It's a symbol of access. And along with access comes acceptance and validation and approval of sorts. My house keys give me access to my house. My car keys give me access to my car. My work keys give me access to the church and to my office, the place where I work. But they represent more than the access itself. They represent the validation and acceptance of my ability and skill and talent and ministry and family. My keys take my personal life, my pastoral life, and my professional life and give each of them meaning. My keys are also a reminder that in Christ I have been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. They remind me that I have a new home that's being prepared for me. It's a heavenly home that one day I will get to enjoy with no more need of renovations. My keys remind me that life's journey is best taken with the Lord than without him. They remind me that he opens the doors in front of me and closes the ones behind me. They remind me that every day new doors wait to be opened and new opportunities exist. My keys remind me of God's protection. That if I'm locked in with him, no matter what happens, he's got me and he's guarding me and that he is my refuge and my strength and my portion. And lastly, my keys remind me that Jesus is the key to life. My iPhone. 
I carry my iPhone almost continuously. There are times where I set it down, but it's almost always by my side. My iPhone is that constant reminder of connection to my, my connections and my interna- interactions in the world, but as well as those with God. My iPhone serves so many purposes. It involves so many of my daily activities, making and receiving phone calls, sending and receiving text messages, typing out and replying to emails, jotting down quick notes, scheduling appointments, writing reminders, searching the internet for valuable information, staying up to date with the news, locating addresses, ordering gifts and resources, taking pictures, posting stories, following friends. You know, my iPhone keeps me connected with the world, with my world, but it also reminds me that it's easy to get distracted and that my most important appointment of the day, my most important conversations in the day need to be with my heavenly father. I need his GPS app his global positioning system application in my life more than I rely on Google, more than I need Safari. My iPhone goes with me almost everywhere I go. That too is a reminder that God is with me wherever I am. The only difference is that he is everywhere. My phone isn't, but he is everywhere. His presence is always near, never far away. He longs for interaction and conversation with me, and he's always ready to make that happen. And my iPhone also lets others know what I'm doing. Quite literally, it can track it. It's a reminder for me that God knows what I'm doing too. And he tracks my life. He knows what I'm searching for, where I'm searching for it and why. There's nothing that I can keep hidden from him. And that's a good thing. He's always and totally aware of where I am and what I need most. You know, my iPhone may be my link to my work and to the rest of the world, but Jesus is my link to heaven. Well, what about my bank card? What does my bank card represent? It's a symbol of provision. It reminds me to be grateful. Wherever and wherever I tap it, holding my bank card in my hands teaches me to be content with what I'm able to buy and what I own. Yes, there are days when I wish I had more, but it's on those days, I'm reminded that I have more than most people in the world will ever have. I live in prosperity, not poverty. My bank card reminds me that my tithe is not an expense. It's a matter of stewardship, that God deserves the first, my best, not what's left over. My bank card lets me know that I'm blessed and that I live in a blessed nation and that me being blessed should result in me blessing others where and however I can. It's good to be on the receiving end, but it's even better to be able to give. You know, my bank card lets me know that I have a good job and that work is not something to be taken for granted. 
I've got one of the greatest professions in the world. Being employed by a church as a pastor is both a privilege and a responsibility. My bank card reminds me of what's temporal and what is ultimately eternal, and that my job consists of sharing and teaching the good news of Jesus Christ to the world, to be and to bring light of Christ, the light of Christ, to all people. There's nothing else in the world like it. My bank card also reminds me of the importance and necessity to trust the Lord in all things, for all things, through all things. He will provide because he loves and he cares. And finally, my watch. My watch represents for me timing. God's timing is everything. It lets me know where I am in the moment and where I should be, where I need to be in the future. As much as my watch reminds me of appointments that I have scheduled, it also reminds me of the importance of making the most of whatever time in life I'm given. That life is short, that life is valuable, that breath is a gift, that a second used is a second lost, never to be regained, that time itself is a gift. My watch reminds me that God's timing is perfect and that God's timing is beautiful and that all things work together in his time, not mine. My watch ticks, but it also talks. The times we live in are evil and yet they are uncertain. Yet the times in which we live are also in God's hands. There was a time for Jesus to be born. There was a time for him to die. There was a time for him to rise and a time for him to ascend to heaven where he now sits at the right hand of the Father. And there is a time coming when he will return, when he will gather his people, when all things will be made new, when tears will turn to joy, when sorrows will cease, when praise will resound, when anthems will ring. But until then, there is still time. There is time to trust. There is time to love. There is time to seek. There is still time to seek the Lord. So I encourage you today, seek him while he may be found. My watch also gives me perspective. And it shows me that life doesn't stop. There will be good days and some not so pleasant days, but each day has its own grace. And it's up to me to either receive or reject that grace. I choose to embrace the grace made available for me today. So as I close, I want to remind us that it's also by grace that we are saved through faith. This is God's greatest gift to the world. Psalm 27 and verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? Remember, light rules the day. When light came into the world, salvation came. Jesus came for you and I. Bottom line, when did light come into 
your world. It's a question that needs consideration today through this week. When did light come into your world? Has light even come into your world? That's the question that you ultimately need to answer. Because if it has not, I want to say to you today, let the light in. Invite Christ to be your Savior, not just someone else's, but your Savior, and make him your Lord. Give him room in your life. That's why he came. He is the light in the darkness. And I want to pray for you today and pray that this light will shine in your heart and that this light will illuminate truth to your heart and to your mind. And that wherever you are today, whether you have drifted from God or whether you are in a place where you have never come to Christ at all, and today, it might be that day, today is your time, that you would come to Jesus today and you would invite him to be your Lord and to be your Savior. And I want to pray for you today. So would you pray with me? Just pray these words. Jesus, thank you that you came into this world. You are the light that came into the world. Today, I believe in you. I receive you as my Savior, and I invite you into my life to be Lord. Will you come and fill me with your Holy Spirit? Will you guide my steps each and every day? I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sin and cleanse me and help me to walk with you each and every day. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.